Ladies and gentlemen, you know what that sound means? It means it's episode 170 of the Personal Arrogance Podcast, brought to you by the Bald Move Network. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Eric Walquist, and joining me this week is the seahorse of this podcast. That's right. He has babies in his own little belly. His name is... I'm Jesse, Justin Bieber's prostitute, Wilson. Yeah, Justin Bieber having some fun in Rio, I guess. Mm-hmm. Setting a good example for the children, MC Hammer Pants. It, does he still make music for kids, or I don't know who, who his demographic is. <laughs> That's a good question. You know, I, I just I automatically assume Justin Bieber's like fourteen years old, but he's probably like twenty nine now. Yeah, I think he lapped he lapped me in a couple of years. Yeah, he did. He lapped. Well, that's what crack cocaine will do. Crack cocaine <laughs> automatically gives you like three years the second you smoke it. Yeah, that mayor of Toronto was born in 1993. I know, right? Oh, topical humor, Jesse. Good job. That's a podcast handshake to you, sir. Yeah, I'm dead, dead for the rest of the night. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Jesse, how's your week, buddy? Oh, it's dragging on. Dragging I was on. In a bad mood today. I bought a steak and a big can of Foster's Lager <laughs> and then ate it and drank it and took a nap when I got home. Wow, the big can of Foster's Lager. That's interesting, dude. You know, I bought it um, because it says, on the can it says, proud partner of Movember, and mm-hmm. has a big mus- curly mustache on it. Mm. And then the name of the mustache, because they have like different styles of mustaches, I guess. Right. And they name it. The name is the Canberra Curler. Oh, well, that's good. That's yeah. your hometown, buddy. Exactly. So I had to buy it. I have a mustache. I'm mm-hmm. from Canberra. There you go. So- I, I had to buy it. You're a raider at heart. I sure am. Uh, so do, do they... I'm wearing my camera raider socks today even. I just noticed that now. Well, congratulations because you ate a steak and you drank an Australian beer and now you're having the fucking greatest day ever. <laughs> it's true. So congratulations to you, sir. I beat, I beat the system. You did. Uh, what, so do they actually drink Foster's Australian beer in Australia? Or is this a um, myth? No, it's weird. I mean, it is there, but like mm-hmm. you never see it. This is, it's the, like Outback Steakhouse? No, it's not like that at all. <laughs> but the weird thing is like Foster's is a kind of like a parent company that makes your Carlton Draft mm-hmm. and uh, a bunch of your other really popular oh, Australian beers, okay. Victoria Bitter, yep. like all the big beers that we would be like Australia's version of like Miller, Coors, right. Budweiser are all owned by Foster's Group, mm. but like the blue can Foster's mm-hmm. is really rare. It's hard to find down there. It's a it's a specialty. Yeah, but no one drinks it. It tastes like crap. Yeah, that's what that's that's kind of my, my experience with Foster's is I don't really like it as a beer. Yeah, here's the thing: never get the ale. Okay. It's like Rainier Ale. Have you ever had the Rainier Ale? <laughs> no, that sounds awful. It's disgusting. <laughs> wow. I oh. didn't even know. Hey, you, that's that's a rarity in and of itself. Yeah. I think I've, I've had it, I bought like a six pack of Tallboys of it once and went mm-hmm. on like a hike and had a bad time. Wow, come on, our beer's good on a hike. Mm. Yeah, Milwaukee's Best Light isn't good on a hike. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing good, dude. I got to spend the weekend with you and your wife and your baby and my wife and my parents-in-law. Yeah, it was very. Cool. It was actually very relaxing. We had some good times. We invented a game. I mm-hmm. drank a whole bunch of new beer. Uh, we watched the Seahawks come back and win thanks to some meow, pa- meow factor. 
<laughs> Meow power. So uh, one of the great things about uh, your daughter's birthday party, I'm just telling the listener, is that she received a uh, keyboard shaped like a cat. And instead of... <laughs> sounds ridiculous, but instead of like a normal uh, keyboard, its keyboards are basically the teeth and the... And the keyboard is a smiling cat face. And basically it's a lot like the Cheshire cat. Yes, very similar. So anyway, so this cat uh, thing was sitting there. And, and when you play the notes on it, it doesn't just go dung, 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 like a piano. It goes meow, 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 meow in different tones. So the Seahawks were behind. I grabbed this fucking cat keyboard. And I go to town. And then all of a sudden, life starts springing into the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. It was a... A real rally. It was an incredible rally. Coming back twenty-one to nothing to win the game in overtime. Seahawks are now eight and one, best record in the NFC. Home field advantage locked up. <laughs> locked, yeah. Well, if it, if the season ended today, it would be. Which, which unfortunately it doesn't. Which unfortunately, actually, it fortunately, even if it meant going into the playoffs, number one seed. Uh huh. I, I would still rather not do that and get more football. Mm hmm. Especially, for, yeah. But so I, I, de- I deemed this meow factor, and not only was this meow piano in my lap, but I also had a cat on my left hand stroking the cat's head while I'm playing the piano. The cat starts meowing. All of a sudden, we have double meow factor, and uh, and then your daughter hears this and starts mimicking the cat triple meow factor. The meow factor is out of control. All of a sudden, there's a toy that your daughter has that also meows. Quadruple meow factor, and the meow factor completely plays into a Seahawks victory. So, Jesse, if we have a Super Bowl party and the Seahawks are in the Super Bowl, <laughs> you're coming over to my apartment. You're bringing the meow factor keyboard. You're bringing the meow factor toy. You're bringing the cat. And you're also bringing your daughter. And I need quadruple <laughs> meow factor throughout the entire game. Yeah, man, I don't know. If if the Seahawks go to the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. that's going to be so agonizing for me. <laughs> I know. You weren't even a fan when they went to the Super Bowl the last time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this this will be my first... Well, I mean, it's not going to be. Oh. For, I mean, as a necessity. But the outside chance that it happens... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how I could handle it, especially yeah. if they're like non fans in the room. Mm-hmm. The people oh, who no, no, talk no. completely done. You no anti Seahawks love in my apartment for the for the Super Bowl Seahawks party. Well, it's not even that. It would yeah. have to be like everyone would have to be as much or more of a football fan as <laughs> I. Am. It's fine, dude. Everybody gets into the Super Bowl. That's the thing about a Super Bowl parties. Everybody watches the whole game. Everybody watches the halftime show. It's good. It's all good, man. See, it, I don't think this is if if the Seahawks make it. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna draw a hot bath. Right at kickoff. Yep. I'm gonna pause it, record it. <laughs> Dude, the Take le- an hour-long bath and like <laughs> meditate. The then le- go watch it uh, from the yeah. beginning, you know. Uh-huh. And then I'm an hour behind, so I can just skip the stupid halftime show <laughs> and get right into the second half. Dude, it's Bruno Mars. I mean, come on. Okay, so I'm definitely going to be doing that. <laughs> I uh, the last uh, time, the, or the only time the CX were in the Super Bowl, 2006. I was down in San Diego. I was watching it at my fraternity house, and uh, definitely not full of Seahawks fans. They're playing the Steelers, 
And I and then stuff shit started going down in that game that was just it was horrible. The Titanic started sinking and I just had to go into one of the rooms and watch it by myself on a small thirteen inch television. I watched the rest of the Super Bowl and cried. Yeah, I went um at halftime and got uh Coca Cola slushies from seven eleven. Right. And I think went to Island Lake. <laughs> Well, uh, if if the Seahawks do win, we'll get to what are you drinking real quick, but if the Seahawks do win, it might sound something like this. Uh, here's one of our phone calls for this week. Hey, guys, it's John from Boston. Just calling. The Red Sox just won the World Series. Finally on my way home from Fenway Park. Wanted to give you guys a call, a little rub it in your face. Uh, the Patriots, <laughs> we're coming for you Seahawks next. And stay arrogant. Get off my back. <laughs> John from Boston, dude. Yeah, I love it. Doing it big, and I love not really how, rubbing it in our face. Yeah, really, you know the Mariners had such a. They were so close this year. <laughs> yeah. They were so close, man. like Icarus. They flew too close to the sun. It's true. You know when you get Mike Morse on your team, you you never know what. <laughs> I don't. I don't get it. Well, you would, and I you. seem to remember uh, a young rookie Russell Wilson handing mm-hmm. it to the New England Patriots last year. Yeah, so. you, there seemed to be like a like a final drive with like a 70-yard bomb to Sidney Rice and then uh, winning the game and then Richard Sherman going and yelling at Tom Brady. There was something <laughs> that happened that was, was very similar to that. Also, Bill Belichick looking very sad in the rain. Oh, Bill Belichick is the easiest guy to root against. You think so? I like yes, the cut-off hoodie. He does have the weird cut-off hoodie, but he's also so cranky. He's such really? a crank. I can't imagine going to a, a dinner party with the guy. If I wasn't a Seahawks fan, I could imagine it would be easy to hate Pete Carroll. Yeah, why, though? I mean... Just because of his gum-chewing. You look at Pete thing. Carroll and you look at uh, Harbaugh, and it's real easy to see who to like and who to hate. I mean, Pete Carroll is just like... He is so – he's, like, playing the game on the field, and he loves it. He gets so excited. Eric, you do realize you are exactly like Harbaugh. I'm not like Harbaugh. <laughs> you are. You just wanted the Harbaugh voice right there. <laughs> That's a hold. It's a hold. If you were an NFL coach, you would be identical to Harbaugh. Oh, I would, actually. What? Well, you don't catch the ball? Get off the fucking field, bro. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You have, one job. you have one job. <laughs> Just screaming that from the sidelines. What's your job? I bring a receiver. What's your job? What's your job? What is your job? What is your? What do you play? Play receiver. Oh, you play receiver. That's interesting. I thought you played dropper. <laughs> good. That's a good. I thought one. that was your one job. Sit on the bench. Sit on the bench. Yeah, you would also bench everyone on your team. <laughs> Dude, fuck it. If the guys next man up, man. Next man. Okay. Anyway, uh, Jesse, what are you drinking this week? Oh, I'm drinking a. Uh... A little free beer from work. Mm-hmm. IPA. Uh, just blew the keg, in fact. So Doing it. Gotta enjoy it. Because yeah, I, I have no more beer after this. Well, I am. you have a keg of beer from work? Yeah. Okay. That's uh, part of the perk of the job. Living the dream, I guess. Uh, I'm drinking the Sierra Nevada Celebration Hell. It's out, and it's delicious. It's my favorite winter season. It's like the, my favorite consistent winter seasonal. Yeah, how's it holding up this year? Great batch this year. What I like about it, it's a red IPA when everyone's mm-hmm. going malt nuts. It's just a fresh hopped, uh, yeah, fresh hop red. It's basically just a delicious, delicious hoppy uh, winter beer, and I love it so much. I, I also got to uh, partake in the uh, Session Fest. Uh, session Fest? 
beer um, that's out, and I love that beer so much. Session Fest beer? Yeah, you've had it. It's the one with the green label. From who? From Full Sail Session. They make a Fest beer? Yeah, you've had it, dude. I went over to your house one night, and you said you drank so much of it, you got super drunk. Little stubby yeah, it, bottle. It's it's a session ale, but then instead of a red a label, it has a green label. Uh, I don't know that I've ever had this. It's like dark and malty. I guarantee that you got completely smashed off of Session Fest once. Uh, well, if I did, I don't have any recollection of it. So it must have been a good beer. I'm going to have to pick some up. All right. Let's get to some more voicemails this week. This one comes to us from Vegas. <laughs> hey, Eric. It's Angela from Lubbock. Um, I'm currently in Vegas with my best friend Pam. Uh, um, I just wanted to give you—I just wanted to give you an update on our Facebook roundup. First, we went to the piano bar, yep. and we were literally, literally, literally the youngest person people there. Sorry, <laughs> they still served us though. They still served us, and we had drunk there. Second. We went to the Bellagio, which we did 10 years ago, um, and we got there at 12.02. We were two minutes late. Two minutes late for the fountain. But that's the theme of our trip. That's the theme of our trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then third, I bet 20 on red, like your friend told me to, and I lost. I always say black, always on black. Always on black. Uh, $20 on red, and I lost it, so I think... Eric owes me twenty dollars. What? I expect that pretty soon. Cash, check, or money order? Uh, no check. Oh, cash or no money order? Cash or money order? Business ah. check? No, no, no check. No, no checks. Okay. Cash, money order. Thank you. Um, is that everything? There it is. Go make it. <laughs> so. Okay. Get off my back. You get off my back, Angela. Um, excuse me. What? What the hell was that? That was called a drunk dial, man. That was called "Hey Eric, moving on." <laughs> There's plenty in there that she bet she, she bet twenty on. Sealed her fate outside oh. of the personal arrogance hall of fame. Are you kidding me, man? I got, I got the uh, whole. I got grudged on that one. All you gotta do is you gotta give some Vegas advice, and then you write in on it. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize this was the Eric show, starring Eric and no one else. Did you? You've seen Vegas Vacation with Chevy Chase, probably the best of the vacation movies. Whoa, I don't know about that. Easily the best of the vacation movies, <laughs> Vegas Vacation. You've seen Ocean's Eleven and Ocean's Thirteen. Mm-hmm. You mean uh, Eric's Eleven and Eric's Thirteen? I guess so. I guess so. Starring the Eric Show, Eric Walkwis. <laughs> Regardless, we always encourage drunk dials. So thank you for True. the drunk dial, Angela. Especially a Vegas drunk dial. That's like hardcore. Uh, speaking of drunk dials, this guy is not drunk, but he is dialing us, and he's dialing us from Philadelphia! What's up, guys? It's JR from Philly. Actually calling in with a non-beer-related topic this week. You guys were mocking the Aliens dude from the History Channel last time, and while I'm definitely not on board with him, I thought I'd explain the philosophical underpinnings that he's exploiting. And since Jesse accused me of sounding like him the other week, I'll give it my best impression. God. 
by definition, is infinitely powerful. Could God create a stone so large that not even he could lift it? If he can't, then his powers are not infinite. If he can, he can't even pick up a large rock, also proving his powers are not infinite. So what I'm trying to say is aliens. Aliens. Foreign beings that are supremely but finitely powerful are thus more logically plausible than an infinitely powerful deity of God. So what happens with guys like this crazy history channel dude is he, he totally abuses the premise out of convenience. If something happened like the pyramids that is not immediately obvious, then aliens. <laughs> so anyways, I also just want to give a little reco for the get off my running back podcast. This week they talked about my hometown team, the Eagles, and I was super excited to listen to it, but I, uh, the guy they had on from Philly didn't know crap about football and seemed to be a pretty big hater on Philly fans. <laughs> so listen guys, stay arrogant and get off my bacteria. Get off my bacteria. Get off my virus. That's what I'm saying. Uh, JR, thank you so much for calling in. I appreciate it. Um, couple things here. First of all, that is perfect perfect uh he sounds exactly like him dude yeah he should he should do that as a costume for next Halloween. he should he sounds exactly like him second <laughs> of all good. i'm sure he's reading a direct quote here but that logic is ridiculous if you have an all-powerful deity that means he lives outside the boundaries of time and space and therefore he can make a rock that both he cannot lift and that is unliftable well, and that he can lift at all it's it's all powerful there you go there you go he lives outside the i mean this is the whole thing um, anyway, the third part of this is that I do need to announce that JR was the guest on the most latest uh, episode of the Get Off My Running Back podcast. And I also need to make the announcement here that the Get Off My Running Back podcast has torn its ACL and it is now done for the rest of the season. Oh, no. I feel a little, I feel a little guilty about it, but uh, the fact of the matter is needed some time with the wife. And uh, needs some time to focus on some other stuff. And so the Get Up by Running Back is on uh, hiatus until uh, probably forever. That podcast was tearing your family apart. It really was. So you got to get right in there and, uh, and gut it out. So anyway, Get Up My Running Back. I, it was a fun ride. I appreciate everybody who participated in it. And, of course, our Fantasy Football League is still going on. But uh, the, uh, the Get Up My Running Back podcast was an experiment. It was a great experiment. It was a fun experiment. I got to talk with a lot of great listeners. Keith Lynch, JR from Philly, the Martinez brothers. It was a really, really fun thing to do. But, uh, unfortunately, it is no more. So that... I dedicate this episode to the Get Off My Running Back podcast, <laughs> 2013 to 2013. There you go. All right, let's uh, let's hear another voicemail. <clears throat> hey, this is Zach Kime from uh, Baltimore, Maryland. Actually, from Minnesota originally, but unfortunately, I have to move out to Baltimore. Uh, <laughs> just had a couple comments off your last one. First off, uh, I had a standing rule growing up about when uh, Christmas decorations can happen. And it can never happen until after my birthday. My birthday is the 28th of November, which, as you may know, is Thanksgiving this year. I'm not saying you have to get me a birthday present, but if you (laughs) did, what I'd say is, for the love of God, please do not go shopping at a place that opens up on my birthday. 
that needs to stop now. Also, the other thing is, nope, this is going to stop now. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Just stop it. Just cut it, dude. Shut it down. Shut it down. Well, he pulled the ripcord on that one. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. Oh, wait. There's another one here for them. Let's, uh, let's see uh, if he had something else to say here. Uh, you know, you, sometimes you got to pull the ripcord and sometimes you got to, you know, like with the podcast. But here's take two, I guess. Okay, this is take two. Oh, okay. I've had a couple beers. So <laughs> that should explain it. Perfect. Anyway, yep. standing rule. Uh, with my family growing up, is that there were no Christmas decorations that went up until after my birthday. My birthday is the 28th of November, which, as you may know, this year falls on Thanksgiving. Right. It's pretty awesome, because I get a pretty large feast. A feast? Shit, I don't have to do a take three. Yeah. Get off my ready back, dude. Uh, oh, there is... Okay, we do have take three, guys. Please do not worry. We have take three. Uh, <laughs> and here it is. Okay, take three. <laughs> so, uh, commenting on what you talked about when it's okay for Christmas stuff, I had a standing rule in my family growing up that no Christmas stuff could go up until after my birthday. My birthday is in November, mm-hmm. which this year is Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that you have to get me a present this year, but if you want to, for the love of God, please do not shop at a store that opens up on Thanksgiving. Don't even shop at a store that requires their employees to be there on Thanksgiving. It's a day for family. Stay at home. Enjoy it. <laughs> wow. Get up at 4 a.m. and stand in line outside of your Walmart. Okay, the other thing that I wanted to mention on the first take, but I forgot about, <laughs> is, hey, Eric, the way you sing everything, you remind me of Marshall from How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. Now, granted, I'm from Minnesota, so I find that an admirable quality. Just saying. Now, for my three tries at getting this thing right, get off my back. Bye. You got the get off my right, get off my back part right. So, you know, this we've learned an important lesson here. If at first your call doesn't succeed, try, try again. Because uh, we do have that commitment to put every phone call on the podcast. So. Yeah, I do like uh, checking the email and being like, wow, that's a lot of voicemail. Same. Oh. All from the same phone number. Same one. And then uh, finally we have this pod podcast post phone call to uh, wrap it all up. If there was only somewhere that I could listen to two guys talk about board games. Hi, this is Bob Ball from uh, popquizzical.com, wordrango.com, and the internet. Hi, how are you? Great to see you again. I, I know point of order, I really can't see you. But you know what? There's a new iOS game came out at the beginning of October called Pandemic that I have been playing the crap out of. It's uh, based on a board game. It plays pretty much the same way, and there's no setup. You just hit new game. It's fantastic. It's called Pandemic, and I have nothing to do with it. I make no money off telling you this right now, but you should go play it because it's only like 7 bucks instead of 40 Okay, you're welcome. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> Man, that guy's got such a great voice. He should like think about doing that professionally. I wouldn't advise it. <laughs> that, of course, is Bob Ball. Uh, you love him. You know him from Pop Quizzical and also from Word Rango and from the intro to the Mabim Bam podcast. 
which is one of my favorite podcasts of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, along with uh, every time, yeah, I listen to I I listen to my brother, my brother, me every week. And when that when uh, whenever I hear that intro, I'm like, the guy that did that voice gave me a Stein. <laughs> I know it's Bob amazing. Ball, dude. He also gave me a little Cthulhu statue at my yeah. pub crawl. Bob Ball, man, we love Bob Ball so much. And uh, and yeah, check out his stuff, uh, Pop Quizical and Word Rango. Jesse, do you have any uh, board game ports that you'd love to see? You have a Kindle Fire, something you could play on a tablet. Mm. Yeah, I guess there's an Agricola coming out, which would be mm-hmm. nice because yep. there's so much setup in that game. Right. And if you could just cut to the quick and start playing, but my wife and I like to uh, do a little bit of a house rule that I don't think would be supported on it. So. Okay. That's the thing about yeah. these apps is you have to play the game exactly as the game developer intended. Right. And you don't have you know the ability to do things a little bit differently which i like in board games house well, rules i like them i love house rules too it'd be cool if there was a house rules option but yeah. um one of the things that these do 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 and yes uh, it just made me say do do on the podcast Hey-o. is uh you can learn the game really easily on these so if you're going to teach the game to other people and you never played the game before you can download the game learn how to play it and then it's a lot easier to teach to other people because you're playing against computer opponents and whatnot um, I don't know. I would love to see. There's a number of games that I'd love to see. I think Carcassonne could be really fun on a tablet. Yeah, dude, I had that for iOS. It was fantastic. Yeah. Um. Uh, I used to play with Gino all the time. Hello. Um, and it had a great notification. Mm-hmm. I'd just be like, oh, I'd yeah. be like lying in bed, or like about <laughs> to go to sleep, and I'd just hear my i my iPod go, Carcassonne. <laughs> it was my turn. And you're like, Gino, why are you awake at? Two in the morning, East Coast. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. Or, or it would go. It's your turn. <laughs> it's your turn now. Carcassonne. Carcassonne sounds good. I mean, Arkham Horror would be good, but it'd have to be a huge tablet. <laughs> All right. We uh, have a Elder Sign for iOS. Ah, Elder Sign's glorified Yahtzee. Fuck that shit. <laughs> well, Arkham Horror is roll high the game. Roll high the game. Shit happens in the game. <laughs> That's all it is. I love it, though. All right. Shit happens unless you roll a six. The game. <laughs> all right, Jess, you ready to do a Matt roll-off? Let's, speaking of rolling high. Mm-hmm. A little tiny Matt roll-off. We're each going to roll a 20-sided die this week to see who gets to speak first on the podcast. And away we go. I rolled a 19. Well, I rolled a two. So we are each one away from a critical success. <laughs> okay, so... um. I this doesn't fit into one of our neat categories, but mm-hmm. there's an article from the website salary.com. Salary.com. And it's the eight college degrees with the worst return on investment. Excellent. I'm guessing all liberal arts. <laughs> well, I thought we could go through okay. and um see where they fall and if we agree with them. So sociology is the first one. All right. And and I do want to put the disclaimer. We have to let people know beforehand that we both also have liberal arts degrees. Is communications considered liberal arts? Oh, absolutely, sir. Oh. You can get oh. a bachelor's of science in communications, but if you do, you're an asshole. <laughs> Why? Because they're a bunch of self-righteous pricks. Oh, wow. Get your BA and get out the door. That's what comm is about. <laughs> All right. So sociology. <laughs> sociology. What does a sociologist do? I think it's basically the study of people. So they're saying, mm-hmm. like, social worker, corrections officer, uh, <laughs> chemical 
dependency counselor. Wait a second. Corrections officers have sociology degrees? Uh, I guess so, because you got to deal with people. I Yeah, but I just feel like social worker and correction officer are two different, completely different ends of the spectrum. I guess it's uh, whether or not you can carry a nightstick, convincingly. <laughs> well, a social worker makes uh, wow. $8,000 a year more than the corrections officer. Well, of course. Social workers are basically, you know, they have a lot of different aspects that go into their job. I'm not saying corrections officers don't either. I'm, I'm, now I'm putting you, I my think f- you're burning corrections. I think this right whole now. topic is let's put foot, let's put our foot feet in our mouth and podcast. <laughs> well, the the reason we can do it is because we both yeah uh, communications it, and history people yeah history. Uh, <laughs> so apparently, scope and topics for sociology have culture, criminality, deviance, law and punishment. Economic sociology, environment, education, family, gender, and sexuality, health and illness, internet. Internet? Internet sociology? Knowledge and science, literature, media, military. So this is basically a catch-all degree. Yeah, as long as it has to do with people. Right. Race and ethnic relations, religion, social networks, social psychology, stratification, urban and rural psychology, and work in industry. Urban and rural sociology. Isn't that just all sociology? <laughs> Not interplanetary. Okay. So number seven here is fine arts. Right. Sure. And apparently a uh, museum research worker gets about 48000 a year, which mm-hmm. isn't... That's not bad. That's not bad. Um, you know, if you are a true fine artist, you make all your money after you die. That's the key. <laughs> yeah. If you if Much you make like your, the inventor of the Ouija board, right? If you make, he was he came back to, in the form of a shyster. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. All right. What's next? So number six, education. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like history might fall into that. Um, so number five is religious studies slash theology. Interesting. So um, I don't have. Too much to say about that, except right. apparently associate pastor makes uh, over $60,000 a year. And this isn't a low? Yeah. <laughs> these uh-huh. these are bad return on investment So this is degrees. like, this is still like, get a college degree, people. In anything. <laughs> Literally in anything. Yeah. So number four <laughs> is hospitality slash tourism. Okay. So, um... Hotel resident manager, Mm -hmm. $65,000. But I gotta gotta say, like, this this must have some perks besides just your paycheck. Oh, yeah. To work in the tourism business. Well, also, like, who's getting a degree in this? Like, (laughs) have you ever met anybody who's had a degree in tourism and hospitality management? Um, No, but that's because I don't travel enough. I guess that's true. Yeah, so number three, maybe you do know someone with this degree, nutrition. Okay. So You could be in political fair. ads, apparently. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, this uh, is a tough one. Like, it's hard to not be snide about these things. Uh-huh. Uh, no, no, it's good. Okay. It's good to be snide. Number two, <laughs> um, I hear the blues of Colin. Number mm-hmm. two is psychology. Right. By Which the I way. I feel like it's a pretty solid... Well, uh... You you are a bit mistaken with your with your comment because uh, Fraser and Niles Crane are not psychologists. They're oh psychiatrists, psychiatrists which means that they have medical degrees. Oh, stars yes. above. 
Yeah. Uh, but they would have gotten their undergrad in psychology, right? No, they would have gotten their. They would have gone pre med. Oh. Pre med. And uh, so they have medical degrees. So uh, a psychologist. The thing about this degree is a lot of people will major in psychology, but you have to have an advanced degree, probably a PhD, in order to do anything with it. So it's like a lot of liberal arts degrees. Like it's it's a it's something that a lot of people get, but you really need to get an advanced degree to make money on it. So, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, number one here, Eric, on the worst uh, college degree okay. in terms of return on investment is communications. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. I did not know that that was top one. Yeah, number one. Wow. What is this according to? Uh, salary.com. Salary.com, man. So well, um, it looks like at the very best, Eric, you can hope to be a copywriter and make fifty-two grand a year. Well, <laughs> all right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say, like I, so I am. I have a communication degree. I also have the privilege and honor of actually having a job in my in in communication. But I also went to a really good communication school. Like most of the people who I went to school with have jobs in communication and they're doing rather they're doing rather well. But I mean, there's a lot of these catch-all degrees. Communication is definitely a catch-all degree. It's it's a jo- it's a degree that you get and then it depends on what you do with it. You can just get a communication degree pretty easily, but it's what you do with it that 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 matters. Right. Um so, I don't like know. Like starting your own podcast, Ex- breaking in the big bills. Exactly. All you need to do is release a free podcast for three years. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, bing, bing, boom. You're um, friends with Bob Ball. <laughs> all you got to do is become friends with Bob Ball. And yeah, then, then you're in. You are in like Flynn. Now, nah, you know, it is what it is. Uh, there are a lot of communication majors out there. But it's, it's also one of those degrees. Like, you just got to... You just got to do what you can do with it, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and it, I think it's a lot like the psychology degree. It's like a lot of people are like, oh, I, you know, I really like people. I like understand what's going on in their brains and like I'm very empathetic. And so I want to be a psychologist. And then calm people are like, oh, I like to drink a lot. And so I like <laughs> to uh, party and I need to get a college degree to get my dad off my back. And then I got a communication degree. There you go. <laughs> I can't These actually. Are like, leave me alone. I'm just gonna read. <laughs> I can't. Why actually... I have to get a job? <laughs> I can be snide about this because I have a communication degree. People uh, love reading stuff about stuff that happened a long time ago, right? Well, yeah, but I mean, I'm gonna base my career off of that. How are you gonna even know about that unless somebody communicates it to you, J Dog? <laughs> yeah, can you get copywriting this, uh, this thing I started? <laughs> Oh man! Uh, the moral of the story here still is like: so you're saying the worst college degree you could get, you'd be a copywriter for fifty two thousand dollars a year, which makes you make, which means you're making twenty five fifty an hour. Yeah. Basically, the moral of the story here is: get a college degree, people. Yeah, it's true. Getting a college degree is great. Anyway. I, 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 you know, I'm not working in the field of what my degree is in, but it definitely taught me how to think and how to mm-hmm. write and how to. Uh, uh, how to get a job? Good. Like, if anything, it gives you an extra four years to grow up. <laughs> yes, right. Totally. Four to six years for some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Forty-six. 
46 years to grow up. Moving on. Anyway. Oh, is that is that the end of the topic, huh? Yeah, that's it. Okay. So, sorry, sorry you made such a bad choice, Eric. I did, but uh, I, I'm doing okay. I got you, man. <laughs> I got you, babe. All right. <laughs> For my first topic this week, we're going to be talking about a science. If today we're able to create a two-headed dog with six legs, is it possible that a similar creature existed thousands of years ago? And I say yes. Right, Scott. Dude, he sounds exactly like Jr. It's, I, I thought that was him. It's uncanny. It's uncanny uh, Superman. Uncanny Spider-Man? I think it's Spider-Man. All right. Well, my first topic this week uh, in science is going to be dark matter eludes capture. Science Uh-oh. and the unseen. Now, Jesse, do you know, what do you know about dark matter? Oh, it's so confusing. It's super confusing. I forget what the difference between dark matter and antimatter is. So I don't know. I don't even know anything about uh, about what antimatter is. Well, is- I, I, antimatter is like hypothetically. Well, no, mm-hmm. it's a real thing that they know exists, and when it comes into contact with matter, it like it, they both get destroyed. Okay, that's what antimatter is. Okay. And like when the Big Bang happened, uh, su- there should have been like equal parts antimatter and matter okay which is why it's confusing to scientists like hey why do we have why is there so much matter well but that doesn't matter (laughs) (laughs) so this is this is what uh dark matter is so this is this is from npr.com um says uh to understand dark matter you have to understand uh, dark martyr oh man that was the worst live journal it really was man I don't know. I found it. I found it really connected with me as a sixteen-year-old. <laughs> uh, to understand dark matter, you have to begin with the fact that there are only four known forces in the universe: gravity, electromagnetism, strong nuclear force, and weak nuclear force. That means that the best bet for dark matter are so-called weakly interacting massive particles, or WIMPs. <laughs> Wimps can only push or pull other kinds of mass via gravity and the weak force. Since they are immune to electromagnetic force, they can't emit light and are therefore invisible to astronomers' telescopes. Oh. So it's dark because it's invisible. But it's, it's, it's invisible. some sort of force on the – observable force on the universe. Yeah, they basically – Observable through its interaction with other matter, not it, through – you know, directly looking. Exactly. At it. The only reason that certain matter can move at the way it's moving, even though there's no observable other matter around it, is that it has to have gravity acting upon it, and that is what dark matter is. Mm. I just found this extremely interesting. So, um, so there are a bunch of scientists. They decided, you know, what we're going to do, guys. We're going to get a mason jar and a rocket <laughs> and a bunch of really big bungee cords. Well, so <laughs> so this is what happened is that they decided a bunch of scientists decided you know what we're going to photograph we're going to observe I don't I don't think they're going to photograph but they were going to observe dark matter okay because this stuff like obviously like honestly it's it's basically like ghosts pushing shit around it's like we know <laughs> you're there is it like that or is it that or is it that this is the whole question. 
Uh, so last week, an international collaboration of scientists working with an ultra-sensitive particle detector a mile underground announced... Seriously, don't make fun of it. It'll shut down for weeks. Yep. It's just so sensitive. It's really sensitive. Uh, you gotta be real careful what you say around it. Uh, <laughs> after a few months of watching, not a single dark matter particle had been discovered. So, was this a major setback? Or... What exactly is the importance of the result? Now, obviously, scientists are not saying that uh, they're reassessing their belief in dark matter. Uh, they're basically saying they were wrong. They set up the wrong experiment. Whoops. Uh, I forgot to take the lens cap off. <laughs> just thought it was really dark. <laughs> I mean, dark matter is crazy. It's like one of these things, like, when astrophysics starts becoming, like, religion. Like, it's this weird, like... Uh, I, and I know, I understand, like, I get that it's all mathematically backed up, and I will never understand the mathematics behind it because I'm a comm major. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, it, there there becomes a point where astrophysics almost becomes, like, like religion. Like, it becomes almost theoretical. And this is, this is making me sound like I'm some creationist apologist, which I am completely not. I just, it becomes, it goes beyond the realm of, like, what a normal person could... Think and therefore you're just trusting other people to tell you what it actually is because they've. Yeah, it it's true. It's like Stephen Hawking is like a bishop of science. Yeah, it's like back in the old uh, Roman Empire days when like it was illegal for a commoner to own a Bible and it was written in Latin. You mm -hmm. know, so the only way that you could interact with it or know what it says was through the interpretation of your. <laughs> clergyman yeah it's like the math is and science is so complex and complicated that the the lay person has to trust the scientists in in their interpretation of what they're seeing it's and like once again this sounds like we're saying that uh you know i think astrophysicists are no, are, what we're saying. yeah I, I mean we're not saying that astrophysicists are soothsayers we're saying that you know, obviously, I think the listeners should know that some very influential people knocked on the door while we were watching the football game and gave us some literature <laughs> that we considered. I and, think uh, it had a real powerful effect on us. I think the thing is, is that Jesse and I, right now, how far away were you? A hundred miles apart, maybe, maybe uh, 80, less than that. 80, 60 60 miles apart, sixty miles apart. And uh, we're both uh, interacting through computers that are connected to a Wi-Fi network that are shooting signals up to a satellite and back down. And yet we're able to talk to each other like we're in the same room with each other because of these soothsayers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I like the word charlatan. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Charlemagne. Wait, I just... That's something else yeah I, I i also you're a history major obviously uh so i i just love the idea of dark matter i think it's such an interesting thing like it's like there's basically dimensional forces around us that we can't even detect well yeah dark matter pretty cool right there's also like <clears throat> like nanoparticles that like mm -hmm. go through the earth Oh, um, yeah. And that's pretty cool. Well, but antimatter the... is way crazier than dark matter. <laughs> antimatter. I don't have any information on antimatter, so I can't if even... Antimatter, if antimatter touches matter, they both get destroyed. And that's the thing. Like, the mathematical model of mm -hmm. the universe should predict, like, 50-50 split between antimatter and matter. Right. So scientists are like, well, obviously, there's matter because we're here. 
But if it was 50-50, right. um, why didn't it all just negate each, each other? Right. So the so the two answers are maybe it was 51% matter mm-hmm. and 49% antimatter. Yep. So like at one point, you know, there was a hundred times more matter in the universe and we are just like a, this fragment, like a percent of a percent uh-huh. because of a flu. Or the other much more interesting and scary uh, thing is there could be a, an entire like section of the universe that's composed entirely of antimatter. Right. That if if it touched matter, it would just destroy itself. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel like the apocalypse is going to happen. Like, we're not even going to have a chance to, uh, you know, have Mad Max. Like, the apocalypse (laughs) is going to happen in a split second, and then it's all just going to be done. That's that's true. Like, I I do love that in, like, these apocalypse movies, there's still, like, humans doing human stuff. Right. It's never like the apocalypse happens. Oh, everything is gone, and it's like gone in a. I, I feel like it's going to be a blink of an eye. Like the sun burns <laughs> out, everything freezes, and it's done. Yeah, or we all get melted from the supernova. Right, or we all get it's, melted it's always, from the supernova. Yeah, Mad Max is like, well, I still got a shotgun and a car <laughs> yeah. and a dog and a helicopter. Or like some, you know, some scientist at CERN creates a black hole that sucks the Earth into it, and it's all done. Yeah. Thanks. Again, these charlatans at Sorry. Freaking charlatans. Speaking of charlatans, another very interesting thing that I uncovered this week, the space roar. So on this podcast, we've covered... Uh, that was a much better live journal. Yeah, it really was. It was more interesting. Um, you know, he actually left his apartment. Uh, so the space roar was... <laughs> space roar and Dark Martyr. Yeah. Great comic book team. Really good. Space roar... Is you know we've talked about on this podcast uh, uh, strange deep sea noises that have occurred that are unexplainable by science, but this, uh, those were explained. Those were explained by Cthulhu. <laughs> no, it was it was ice sheets. Oh, that's like, right, grinding on each other. But not all of them. That was like the one, the moan. I heard that most of them can be attributed to ice sheets. <sighs> well, thanks, Charlatan. Um, space roar, though, is is something completely different. So I'm just going to read the Wikipedia uh, paragraph here on it. Here, the space roar is a radio signal spent, sent from outer space. Discovered by NASA's Alan Kogut and his team, the announcement was made at the 213th meeting of the American Astronomical Society on January 7th, 2009. Described as a loud hiss, the team discovered the signal while trying to find traces of heat. From the first generation, from first generation stars using an arcade radiometer. This instrument is designed to detect radiation. At they were at Skateland. Yeah, <laughs> at the arcade radiometer. At the radiometer. Uh, this instrument is designed to detect radiation at centimeter wavelengths. Though uh, signals from radio galaxies have been detected before, the space roar sounds six times louder than what is predicted from these sources. Uh, scientists have yet to explain its source. NASA scientists have currently ruled out a p- primordial stars and other known radio sources. The roar currently limits the study of the universe's earliest stars. In 2011, the RK2 researchers reported correcting for instrumental systematic errors in measurements such as RK2 is always primary concern. We emphasize that we detect residual emission. Blah 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 blah. blah science book. <laughs> So anyway, this is basically, they're trying to figure out where the earliest stars came from. 
they shine their radio meter over there and then they can't even get anything because there's such a loud space roar coming from them from these radio signals that they can't get any signal there. Now that is Cthulhu. Totally Cthulhu. I mean, this is the thing. This is it, man. Like, basically, uh, Dark Matter is ghosts. <laughs> and then uh, the space roar basically pinpoints where heaven is. You can't get, you can't penetrate it because the trumpets are blaring so loud. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's what the pamphlet said that we received. Anyway. I, I, the space roar is another really interesting thing. We've talked about space radio signals on here before as well. Have you, um, you've heard of the wow anomaly? Uh, is that where you uh, start playing wow and you don't leave your house? Well, yeah, that that happened to me. Here, let me look this up real quick. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. Now I'm just getting a bunch of World of Warcraft stuff. This isn't it. Yeah. But there was, like, a radio signal that got picked up, and it was, like, totally anomalous. And, uh, like, the guy who was recording it just wrote, like, wow, in the, oh, in the yeah, yeah. sidebar yeah. or whatever uh -huh. uh, margin. So it's known as the wow something. Right. And then, like, when it came, like, the Earth rotated to the point where it could be observed again, it was gone. And it's never been explained. Mm -hmm. There's, like, there's like a lot of space noise out there that's unexplainable. And it's it, exciting. It is exciting. I mean, it's, like, space is fucking nuts, dude. Like, we are <laughs> literally... Like, they just released this report this, this, uh, this week that there are 22 million possible Earth-like planets in our galaxy. In really? our galaxy. Yes. Wow. And the nearest one is only 12 light years away. Which is pretty which is pretty crazy. Like that's incredibly close. So wow. Like this is a this is some I mean space is just is this a jumbled mass of crazy shit happening and sometimes <laughs> earth happens and then humans happen and earth and then humans destroy the earth and then they leave the earth and then they go to another wow. planet and then they destroy so that earth. The Earth will remain no matter what we do to it. So the wow signal was a strong, narrow band radio signal detected by Jerry R. Emin, mm -hmm. August 15, 1977, while working at SETI. Um, the signal bore the expected hallmarks of a non-terrestrial and non-solar system origin. It lasted for the full 72-second window that the big ear was able to observe it, but has not been detected again. The signal yeah. has been the subject of significant media attention. Well, I mean, we're just being bombarded by this stuff all the time. And, like, it, all of the stuff that we do, like, yes, we have radio, where we listen to FM radio and AM radio, and we have Wi-Fi, and we have satellites, and we have different signals that we can send around to the to the planet. But the fact of the matter is, all of this stuff has just always been there. So if anything else can catch a ride on those signals, we're going to get it. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. No one wants it to be real more than me. <laughs> I know, Jesse. You're a big alien guy. <laughs> well, it would be the coolest thing ever. It would be the most important historical event in the history of humanity. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> after Christopher Columbus. I was thinking after the invention of the automobile. Oh, uh, yeah. Those are fun. You know where I stand on that? Uh, anyway, Jesse, this that's science news for this week. A lot of great science stuff happening. You're not. Right you're not actually going to tell me that it, the invention of the automobile would be more important than discovering extraterrestrial life. All I'm saying is that I unless aliens that. come to the planet, that we would have not discovered alien life if it were not for the invention of the automobile. What? 
That's hands down true. What? All right. I, I don't but have to get into my dumb. whole thing about cars being the most invent, most uh, important invention of, of Sure, cars let us go fast and go far, mm-hmm. but it's nothing akin to discovering extraterrestrial life. But I'm just saying dis- the, the discovery process, unless, like I say, unless aliens come to our planet, if we discover alien life through scientific means on this planet, it has everything to do with the invention of the automobile. You're insane. Well, that's why they have me on the History Channel. <laughs> All right. This is the craziest theory. I can't explain it now, but I will explain it in the future if no, people want to hear I've it. I've heard it, and I understand that the automobile is important, mm-hmm. but it's definitely not as important as discovering extraterrestrial life. I'm not saying it's not. I'm saying that it wouldn't happen if it weren't for the automobile. Sure, and the automobile wouldn't have happened if it weren't for replaceable parts which wouldn't have happened if it weren't for basic engineering which wouldn't have happened if it weren't for mathematics actually you know the invention of the automobile is not even as important as domestication of animals and agriculture i see what you're saying here jesse i i I understand what you're i understand your argument and i'm saying i'm open to your argument now (laughs) Okay. Okay, but we don't need to get into this. We need to get to trivia. Now that get off my running back is gone, I got a bunch of great drops. So this is our trivia drop. Ready for some trivia, bro? I am. All right. I, I got to remember to do this next week. Okay. I, I have a game for you for next week. I'll get on it during the week. All right. I'll tease it. It's do called it. NFL Player or Belgian Brewery. <laughs> I love it. All right, we'll we'll get to that. All right, Jesse, uh, we're going to roll a six-sided dice, see which topic we're going to do here. It's a four. It's arts and literature, so I'm just going to bump that down to science and nature since we're so sciencey on this show. All right. All right, Jesse. Uh, this question is for you. What is the resting place of those buried at sea? The resting place of those buried at sea, Davy Jones Locker? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with uh, the bottom of the sea. <laughs> Davy Jones Locker. You are right. <laughs> Damn, I really overthought that. The answer is the bottom of the sea. <laughs> they, they don't float. Well, sometimes they do. All right, this one's for me. What common ailment can't you catch at the North Pole? Interesting. North Pole. Okay. Uh, what common ailment? I'm going to say vertigo. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to say uh, a cold. You got it, a cold. <laughs> Why can't you catch a cold at the North Pole? Because they don't have the bacteria and viruses living there. Oh, so basically any virus? I mean, if you bring a guy with you who sneezes in your face right. and he had a cold, then I'm sure you could get it. Uh, this sounds bogus to me. Sounds like uh Sounds like charlatanism. All right, Jesse, I just I also want to know: Is Davy Jones Locker is that science or is that <laughs> nature? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Jesse, what sexual problem is grounds for divorce in twenty-four states? Impotence. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, impotence. You got it. Wow. Wow, Jesse, you already won. Here's for some pride Let's for just Eric. Say I researched that before I got married. <laughs> Washington's an okay state. That's just crazy. In 24 states. Well, he is impotent. Oh, shit. Why didn't you tell us that before? 
Washington's uh, what's known as a limp state. <laughs> no, that's Florida. Hell, <laughs> it's after not Maine. Yeah, jutting up there. <laughs> yeah, Maine is not. What ancient measure is the distance from the elbow to the tip of the middle finger? I believe that is a cubit. Um. Yeah, I think you're right. I'll just go with um a foot. And it is a cubit. Damn. At least I got one. Here you go. You and everything this week, J-Dog, and uh, you get to uh, talk next. What are we talking about? So speaking of awkward high school students. Okay. Um, This is out of the news. Okay. From uh, Time... Yeah, time.com. Tusked whales, narwhals, the unicorns of the sea. Extra, extra, Reddit on Reddit, Reddit on... Time.com. That's the way it is. <laughs> I turned down the wrong thing on the board. That's okay. okay. It works. Okay. I, I may have originally gotten this from Reddit. Who knows? So Probably eight not. students were hop- hospitalized. And two others taken to their own doctors. Those were the bourgeois kids, I guess. Mm-hmm. After someone released an especially pungent body spray in a sixth grade classroom at 1 p.m., <laughs> emergency crews arrest to Medgar Evers College Preparatory School in Brooklyn to mm-hmm. investigate the hazardous smell. And it turns <laughs> out that hazardous, noxious odor was Axe body spray. They don't call it Axe for nothing. <laughs> It'll shut you down. Got- they got some access to the head. Oh, God. So, yeah, apparently you can be hospitalized by an overabundance of axe. And I'm <laughs> guessing what happened here is that hilarious prank where, like, you puncture the can. Right. And because it's pressurized, it yeah. just sprays out like crazy. Is that a thing? Yeah. That's a thing, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a good prank to pull on someone. <laughs> Okay. Just bomb them. Axe bomb. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. Like, that'd be good for, like, a frat house. Yeah, exactly. Or a dorm room. Or yeah. your wife in the mm-hmm. bathroom. Oh, my God. Or your boss when he's on the toilet. Last two, probably not a good idea. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Apparently, um, this isn't the first time something like this has happened. And this is a little... Uh, this next one, not so much... Uh, the war crime of the mm-hmm. first incident, but this is more innocuous and subtle. Okay. Pennsylvania high school had to ban the spray in March after a student was hospitalized after exposure to its fumes. A year earlier, Connecticut high school officials said that a fire alarm went off after students' overabundance of axe spraying in a locker room. This is what we get, people. This is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> this is why we can't have aerials... Aerial slice <laughs> pressurized cans right. like, of I mean, stinky, stinky deodorant. Yeah, I mean, Axe body spray. It's, were you ever an Axer, Jesse? No. In okay. fact, I'm not really a deodorant guy at all. Well, that's fine, but I'm just like, Axe body spray came out like when we were in high school. Yeah, I know. This was right in our demo. I remember right in the, the Axers in the locker room. Oh, yeah. I, I was Axing it, dude. Danny Joe's. Notorious Axer. Notorious <laughs> Axe. I axed it, dude. You go to the store, there's like seven different flavors. You're like, oh, dude. Flavors. I'm, I'm feeling uh, ice. Icy. 
or whatever it's called. I, I like the Double Dragon. I remember that came out when I was in high school. Yeah. Well, apparently it's hit epidemic proportions. Well, that's the problem is that I think that, you know, if you're going to cater a product to 16-year-old guys, you need to understand that 16-year-old guys are fucking idiots. Yeah, they need to have some, um, like, precautionary measures. Yeah. Like, you can only hold the button down for so long. Exactly. They need to have some kind of... (laughs) That's exactly what they need. Some kind of silencer on this thing. Yeah, or uh, they need. Yeah, it should be like double hulled, like the Titanic. You know, so you puncture the first Mm. hull, and it doesn't just immediately start spraying out. Not to mention, nothing smells worse than Axe body spray, (laughs) like in large quantities. Even stinky sixth graders smell better than Axe body. (laughs) That's the ironic thing. Oh, man. I mean, that's the other part about it is, like, first of all, you have the kids who are like, okay, I don't want to be smelly, so I am going to literally shower myself in this thing. I'm going to, like, straight up stand under a, like, I'm going to get one of those giant tubs, like, on Breaking Bad, and then I'm just going to crack it with an axe and then have the axe body spray spray all over my body. Exactly. You know how Febreze has, like, the new unscented Febreze? Yeah. They need that. They need unscented axe. Oh my god, that's perfect. It, it doesn't make you smell Dude. like a, a, a scent. It just makes you smell like nothing. This is the, this is the genius idea here, Jesse. You've cracked the code. Congratulations. This is Thank what you. you do: is that you only put enough scent on the can that people who buy it can smell what it smells like from the can. Okay. But it's mostly but you're, full. You're smelling the can itself, not the yeah, stuff inside. Exactly. It. It's it's just full of pressurized air. <laughs> it's all placebo effect. This is the only responsible way to sell Axe body spray. <laughs> the Axe placebo effect. Yeah, the Axe I placebo. You could even call it placebo because fucking twelve year olds aren't going to understand that. Yeah, Ugh. dude, you're still using Double Dragon. Placebo is way better. <laughs> I love it, dude. X body spray, motherfuckers. Yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna um, start replacing the contents with that Febreze unscented. Oh. Yeah, why not? It's really easy to get pressurized air inside those cans. Yeah, it's it's pretty pretty simple. You just stuff. gotta squeeze that thing over and over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right on top of, and then it'll just pressurize in there. And when you think about it, it's not the kid that stings. Mm-hmm. It's the kids' clothes that stink. Yeah, because they, they used to have the thing, like, when I was in high school, it was the thing, it's like, once under the arm, once under the other arm, one stripe. Oh, I remember that. What that quickly turns into, into is... Into the X. Well, there's the X, but then, I mean, it, the the most logical progression is it turns into the Tasmanian Devil. <laughs> Where you just spin around and then you just like spin it and spray it as, and then you become a tornado of terrible smelling shit. What happened to the, you create a, a cloud in front of you and walk through it? That's, that's fucking cologne shit. That is not what 12 year olds are into. <laughs> okay. A 12 year old can barely clip its own toenails. Okay. So what they need to do is they need to ban any of these uh, aerosol. That's the word I was looking for. There you go. Aerosol deodorants, mm-hmm. or any deodorants. It's not and, a deodorant, um, dude. It's a body spray. Still, anyway, all banned. Okay, all banned. 
And then by the door that exits the locker room, have one of those misters, mm-hmm. you know, that like at the supermarket mm-hmm. that missed the uh, produce. And then yep. that has Febreze unscented. There you go. And you just walk through it and suddenly you're staying free. I love it. Yeah. I've solved this problem. I think I, what we've I'm all... Re- successful podcast tonight. Yeah, I mean, I think what we've all, we what we can all agree about, I think even libertarians can agree about this, is that we need to outlaw X body spray. <laughs> yeah, it's a war crime. If there's one thing that is hurting America, it's X body spray. Mm-hmm. Do the body wash. You can have the body wash, just not the body spray, people. Yeah, sprays are bad news. Yes. Uh, all right. Uh, but but please spray and mood spray and mood your pets. <laughs> I can't even tell a joke because I've drank too much celebration. That was the now. best joke I've ever heard. Right? I don't know. That was like some um, man on the moon. What was what was his name? Yeah, Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman meets Andy Warhol, subversive, brilliant kind of humor. That's the nicest compliment you've ever had. Told me. Yeah. That's there you awesome, go, man. Spray and mood them. All right. Well, my final topic this week is going to be about um, movies and TV. Do you know what nemesis means? All right, Jesse, I came up with a brilliant idea today, and I really hope that you can help me with this idea. Um, it's, it stems from an idea about some of our favorite people who are sitcom stars, right? So, obviously, you've been watching a lot of Frasier lately, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, David Hyde Pierce, number one. Yeah, David Hyde Pierce is fucking... I think he won an Emmy. Oh, I'm certain. Um. Anyway, uh, so you've been watching a lot of Frasier lately, but I'm just going to float three words to you. And I hope that uh, you can understand what I'm trying to get to with this. It is secret sitcom superheroes. The premise, the premise of this idea is that when you're watching a sitcom, when you're enveloped in a sitcom, you are only watching the alter egos of people who are actual superheroes. Mm. You're watching the Bruce Wayne phase of Batman, and Batman is completely left out of the show. And so these people are superheroes, but you're only watching them secretly in their alter egos. So Beast from X-Men. <laughs> I guess we're done with that one. <laughs> so I just wanted to walk through a few of these sitcoms, classic sitcoms, great sitcoms. And uh, and since you are so well-versed in uh, our own Seattle gem of Frasier, I thought we could walk through this. So, uh, you know, uh, who are – give me give me the top four characters in Frasier, Jesse. Okay, you got Martin. Martin Crane. You got Frasier, obviously. Obviously. Uh, Niles. Right. And Daphne. Daphne. Maybe Roz? I know I said yeah, four. Daphne, but. Roz are kind of interchangeable. What about Noel? <laughs> he's, he's a sidekick at best. Noel is probably my favorite Fraser character. Hey, Roz! Tussie, <laughs> I love this. You're like literally one of the only people who knows who Noel is. <laughs> yeah. What about I'm Mad Dog? Dude, oh. Matt, Mad Dog Briscoe. <laughs> villain, huh? Uh... 
maybe no. pr- probably more of a Commissioner Gordon type. <laughs> okay, no, that's Kenny. So for <laughs> so Fraser, who is Fraser's superhero? Let's see. What what would be He's his superpower? Yeah, and we're only going to focus on one superpower because we can't spread out too far. Well, he's obviously the power of uh, analysis. Right. So he could be like your Brainiac or your Lex Luthor. I like him as being, I think he's really into analysis paralysis. So he can make someone else analyze the situation until they are completely locked up and and incapacitated. Oh, we're not actually trying to prescribe them with existing superheroes. He's the one who he already understands. Well, I mean, you can prescribe them, but you can also create a, a new superpower for them. Um, gotcha. But he understands people so well that he can give them analysis paralysis. Well, that's that's like uh, that's Brainiac from Superman. Okay. What about Niles? Hmm. Niles. I don't know. What do you think? What's his What's his power? I feel like he's manic. He's crazy manic. He's like the maniac. He, he's so dependent on Fraser, though. That's true. He doesn't excite, exist outside of the Fraser verse. I like the idea because you know, obviously, him and Fraser are brothers. Is that he is jealous of Fraser's abilities, and therefore he tries to emulate Fraser's abilities and tries to convince himself that he has Fraser's abilities. Mm. But what that has done is it has turned him into a crazy. Uh, you know, he can basically Hulk out, but on a like if he were a skinny white dude, or or he like he doesn't turn green. He he attempted analysis paralysis, but mm-hmm. it just it didn't work, and it turned everyone he tried it on turned into psychopaths. So he has the ability to just oh. utter a phrase, and it turns even the nicest, most ordinary person into a crazy killer. This is great. This is great. So this and the reason why this is so good is because. While Frazier is using his ability for for good, Niles is using his ability for evil. Exactly. Sets up classic regiments. Now, their father, Martin Crane. Mm-hmm. What's up with this dude? Uh, Former police some, officer. He's got some healing ability for sure. Right. Uh, with the help of Daphne. Right. His, because he was shot, but uh, he's able to run around and chase Eddie. That's also, true. he can communicate with Jack Russell's Harriers. He can. He has animal uh, cognizance. Yeah. And the thing I think about, Martin Crane has to have some ability that is so horrific. Like, if he were were to use it for evil, he could rule the world. But he has created such a moral compass for himself Mm, that he cannot deviate from. He has hyper-authority. Okay. He's really good at manipulating cops to do whatever he wants because he, he yeah. he's a former cop himself mm-hmm. he's got buddies on the force right and they're always doing him favors in the show yep hyper authority but he can if, use it in if small he doses to use that for evil he could get the entire every police officer in the right. world to bend to his will i think he, he could literally just get everyone in the world to bend to his will <laughs> It's pretty powerful. he's got the power of persuasion and he can use it in small little doses to get people to do what he wants, but he knows that he's got it inside him that he could literally yeah. rule the world. He's and a he, master manipulator. But the fact of the matter is he doesn't want that kind of responsibility. He only he uses it to keep his kids in check. Exactly. Yeah. Who are at war. 
And that's why he can communicate with animals, because not only does he have this authority over humans, he has it over every animal on the Earth. That's that's a good ability. It's a great ability. But, you know, he decided to take a different path. He he realized that as a child that he could have this super authority, so he instead decided to use it for good, join the Seattle Police Department, and uh, and still uses it to this day. Right. And he's he's the only person who can keep his kids from tearing the world apart so he needs to keep them preoccupied with their wine club and stuff exactly and he also feels guilty that he gave his children this inherited power as well well that came from but in a different mutated form that came from their mom and he was forced to kill her because she was turning evil wow this turned dark it did yikes It, it turned real that's why you never see their mom or he didn't kill her though but he used his ultimate authority to uh, convince her that she can never return. He exiled her. Mm. Exiled her to the grave. Also known as <laughs> Davy Jones Locker, if you're at sea. Alright, so this is the thing. So now we have Daphne. So Daphne obviously knows about Martin's secret abilities. Mm-hmm. And therefore is uh, is you know, uh, it's his sidekick, but she also has certain abilities. She always tells people that she's psychic. But oh, what are her, what are her act? What is her actual ability? Well, she has the ability of healing. Yeah. Oh, I and, think she, I think she should just be straight up psych- psychic. And she's super duper psychic. Like she can't. Uh, she knew that Martin Crane was that guy. Oh yeah, she figured right? it all out. Yeah, because she's psychic, and he she was. She knows the secret. This is it, dude. Martin Crane has her in his trap. Because she is the only person who knows that he has ultimate authority, so he used his ultimate authority to trap her ah. psychologically. Ah, and heal his battle wound. And heal his battle wound. And he also made her fall in love with Niles, who no one could really fall in love with. <laughs> He's a monster. He is a monster, but he made her fall in love with Niles just so that he knew that the world would be safe from her ultimate psychic ability. See, this is fun. It makes the, <laughs> now, now just watch the show with all of this as the backstory. Yeah, this and is, it changes I everything. Able, I mean, Frazier's so fresh in my mind. I don't know if I'll be able to be as detailed with the next. Well, that was that's why I also wanted to do this with Seinfeld. Classic favorite of this podcast in everyone's heart. Yeah, see, you're much more of a Seinfeld guy than me. I love Seinfeld. I could watch Seinfeld all day long, dude. Uh, anyway, so you obviously we have our tropes here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and Jesse, you know you're a big D and D guy here. Um, why don't you? Sure. Why don't you? Why don't we just start with with their you know their chaotic evil or their neutral good? Oh, their alignment. Right. So let's let's get their alignments together. So first of all, Jerry. Um. Geez, I mean he's he's got a moral code. Mm-hmm. So I think he's lawful. I think lawful neutral. He's got a moral code, but he's also an asshole. He's <laughs> extremely, extremely selfish. Well, you can be lawful and still be selfish and an asshole. In fact, it helps. Okay, so you think he's the lawful good? Lawful, lawful neutral. neutral. Yeah, I don't think anybody's good. And then you have George, who's chaotic neutral. Yeah, see, nah. I just don't. I don't know the characters well enough. I feel like George is chaotic evil, and Kramer's chaotic neutral. Chaotic evil is like a murderer. George is not that far off. I feel like he could be a serial killer. <laughs> he did run over that bird once. And he also kind of killed his wife. What? His fiance. I Yeah, see, I don't know any of this. With the poison envelopes. 
What? You need to watch Seinfeld, dude. What the hell? Uh, I'm busy watching Frasier. <laughs> I feel... You know what? I feel like Elaine, though, is chaotic good. She's... every Basically, this is all just chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> but they all fall on the spectrum of chaotic good, chaotic neutral, and chaotic bad. Anyway, I we could we could go on for I wanted to do family matters as well because I really want to see what superpowers Steve Urkel has. Um, but oh if, yeah, he's master inventor. If obviously. our oh totally, he could really honestly be a mastermind with his twin brother Stefan Arkell, who got all the good genes, and mm-hmm. now they have to create a scientific plot, which is really just a Wizard of Oz facade that they uh, are the same person, but they are actually not. Anyway. If our listeners have a, uh, a, a secret sitcom superhero scenario that they would like to float to us, they could send it to us, personalerrogates at gmail.com, or give us a call, leave us a voicemail, 360-362-0024. Jesse, let's move on. Uh, but before we do, we want to talk about the Ball Move Network. Ballmove.com, people. Uh, of course, you have The Walking Dead on right now. Uh, Jim and Aaron were down at Walker Stalker Con. They got a bunch of great stuff. Check out the uh, Facebook page, especially to see Aaron talking to Rick Grimes himself uh, and, and giving him the Rick Grimes impression uh, that, that, frankly, Rick Grimes wished that he had. <laughs> of course, we also have Up Yours Downstairs is on there for all your Edwardian needs. And the Because Show, which is like us, but ladies and refined and from Los Angeles. And more wise. A lot, lot more wise. Uh, anyway... Uh, Ballmove.com, check it out uh, and uh, and be a part of it. Um, so, uh, and if you want to get in touch with us, you can of course give us a call three six zero three six two zero zero two four. Leave us an email at personalarrogance at gmail You can also find us on Facebook. We are on the Personal Arrogance Facebook page. We are also on the Bald Move Facebook page. Uh, we have a Twitter at Personal Podcast. We also uh, you can rate and review us on iTunes. You can tell a friend. There's a bunch of ways that you can uh, you know, get in touch with us or tell your friends about us. So do any or all of those, and uh, we will be eternally grateful to you. Uh, speaking of Facebook, each week we go on Facebook. We say, hey, we're recording tonight. What do you want us to talk about? And uh, you let us know. So we'll start off with Corey Kershaw says, I've been thinking of an idea for a superhero tomb. This is very uh, apropos of wacky characters from different series, The Tick, Powder Toast Man, Quail Man, etc. Do you guys have any ideas? I love the Quail Man. Stefan Arkell. Stefan Arkell is in there for sure. I was thinking Captain Vegetable from Sesame Street. Mm. Pilsner Urkel? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, Paris Santi says, uh, I know this topic has come up before, but how would the personal arrogance definitively explain or analogize why the name of the Washington Redskins is offensive to Native Americans? One of my boyhood friends has revealed himself to be either a moron and or an asshat about the idea of the football team changing their name. If he calls Native Americans crybabies more, one more time, I might have to bite him. You should probably bite him anyway. Uh, thanks as always. P.S. Roger, don't rob the bank was awesome. Parrish, thank you so much uh, from the, of course, the hipster conclave of Brooklyn, New York. Parrish, uh, I think that the definitive argument here is that you cannot have a team in the NFL called the Blackskins and have a, uh, you know, a, an African shaman on the helmets. Like that would be incredibly offensive, and it's it's so like it's just not societal societally is that even a word uh, appropriate. 
Yeah, the other argument I would make is, like, would you ever call someone a redskin to their face? Exactly. Like, you couldn't have a team called the Yellowskins and have, like, a Chinese, like, a caricature of a Chinese guy on the helmet. Yeah. Incredibly offensive. Like, the only only reason why this is still around is because we've been, it's been ingrained in our culture for such a long time. Yeah. Like... but it's that's, that's a good enough excuse, right? Yeah, I think that. I mean, I think that's the de- the definitive things. Like, obviously, this wouldn't work with any other culture, and unfortunately, we've been so it's been so ingrained in our own culture that we can't see that difference. But it's it's just terrible. Just guys. change the mascot to a potato, and you're fine. <laughs> Redskin potatoes. That's an actual thing. Exactly. We got our eyes on you, Tony Blaze Serrano. You, you should also change uh, Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Mascot to a potato. <laughs> That's still offensive. <laughs> uh, Tony Blaze Serrano says, just made a fool of myself at a career fair at my university. Give me some job hunting advice for socially awkward nerds. Yeah, unfortunately, job hunting is all about confidence. It really is. Like, that's the thing. You have to have the job when you walk in the room. Be qualified would be my <laughs> advice. <laughs> or if you're not qualified, then turn the interview around. Now you're interviewing them. Oh, Right, you ask a question. Whoever asks the questions has the power. <laughs> I learned that from Fraser Crane. Uh, Eduardo says, "Give me some advice uh, to get through your day when you feel like life is just giving you more problems to deal with." Uh, Eduardo, you know the thing that I like to do is I like to have something to look forward to. So, like, you know, my wife and I are going to Hawaii in December. So no matter what happens, we're just like, oh, dude, we're going to Hawaii. Yeah, exactly. Uh, No, you know, whatever happens, we're going to Hawaii in December. But it doesn't have to be anything that big. Like, is there a movie coming out soon? Like, get an advance ticket to that and be like, you know what? Saturday, I'm going to go watch Thor The Dark World and I'm going to fucking love it. Like, just always give yourself something to look forward to. And then... Eat a a steak, drink a beer, take a nap. Yeah. Yeah. Give yourself, reward yourself, I guess, is, is what I'm saying, Eduardo. Reward yourself, and then uh, you can get through all the shit. Because the other thing got... I do... Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you've always got something to look forward to. Well, the study history actually does help. Remember that you have a better than 99.99% of the people who have ever existed. That's Who true. would love to be in your situation. Yeah. Literally any point in history. <laughs> I mean, the Middle Ages works fine. Or, I mean, like, Civil War. Yeah. The Great Depression. <laughs> Anything. The 70s. <laughs> the 80s. The 80s, definitely. Not the 90s, though. The 90s were great. Yeah. But then early 2000s. Yep. <laughs> All right, up next. 2011. We got, we got Sean saying, guys, sorry I've missed the last couple of episodes. I've been listening to a lot of prog rock, and the songs are so long that I just haven't had any time lately. By the way, Mirror Pond is awesome, but looking forward to Black Butt. Is it pronounced butt or butte? Keep trucking. It's obviously butt. It's black butt. Yeah, it's definitely black butt. Uh, if you could only... I like black butt and I cannot lie. That's true. Uh, if you could only get one game, Battlefield 4 or COD Ghost, which one would you get and why from Jonathan? Uh... I'll probably be getting no of these games. No, you have to get only one. Battlefield 4 or COD Ghosts? I guess Battlefield... Yeah, I think I'd take Battlefield as well. I don't know why. It seems like... It's an EA product. It just had such a reputation of being filled with a bunch of, like, 16-year-old boys who spray Axe in 
excess. I think that's any FPS, dude. Uh, but it's basically a choice between Activision and EA, which is like no choice at all. Uh, Michael Merriman says, finally talk to the owners of the store I work at to expand the craft beer selection. What are a few good specialty beers in the eight to ten dollar range that I should bring in? Already have Fat Tire, Windmer, and Blue Moon. So these are beers that you want to have, uh, you know, readily available. So you don't necessarily want to make them too obscure because I'm guessing if they don't already have uh, you know, specialty beers there that you don't want to spring anything on them that's too crazy. Yeah. So, Deschutes. Yeah, Deschutes, definitely. Anything from Deschutes. Full sale. Uh, full sale uh, Sierra Nevada. Um, Big Sky. Oh, Big Sky for sure, dude. Uh, yeah, I, I already creeped on this guy, and he's from Idaho, so I think Big Sky could be yeah. a big hit. Big, stu- big Sky, and then also, uh, what's that? What's the other beer that they have there in Montana? Um, uh, it'll come to me. I don't know. I'm blanking. Yeah, there's. A- oh yeah, uh, New Belgium. Oh, you got New Belgium. Avery. Yeah. Avery Brewing Company from Colorado. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there's one more. It starts with like an H. I don't remember. Uh, and then uh, James says, as a Pirates fan, sorry about Lloyd McClendon. Oh, uh, more Mariners trash talk. Do you can't trash talk the Mariners any lower. I don't get. I don't get it. He's the new manager for the Mariners. Uh, is it bad? And he was previously the Mariners uh, manager of the Pirates from 2001 to 2005. So you know nobody changes in a decade. What's so he been doing in the interim? Oh, he's only been the hitting coach for the uh, Detroit Tigers, who have made it to the World Series twice in that span. Oh, cool. But probably chop liver. And then finally, Jacob Jones Martinez says, "What's with sharing beer recipes? Can we get the recipe that uh, for that beer that Jr.'s dad or father-in-law or uncle brewed? Is there an etiquette to getting beer recipes? Can we convert it to a five-gallon batch? What is the etiquette around beer recipes?" Um, I treat it like Linux code. Okay, I'm entirely open source with my recipes. I think it's silly to hoard your recipes and have secrets or whatever because even if you have the exact same recipe as someone else it's going to end up different because you're using different materials on a different brew system a different brewer Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean ask that i think that's what the etiquette is ask yeah just ask and there are plenty of beer recipes that are in numerous uh beer you know um magazines and so forth yeah, exactly. I, I usually take recipes and use it as a springboard to do my own take on it. Yeah. Um. Anyway. But yeah, I, I think it's, it's weird when people are protective of their recipes. Yeah, it's true, man. It's all just grain and hops. and Yeah, it's four ingredients. And there you go. All right, Jesse. So uh, that's our show this week, and we're going to move on to recommendations. You got any recos this week, J-Dog? I do. I played Monaco okay. with uh, Jordy and Levi last night. It's a uh, like a heist pixelated video mm-hmm. game with really good music that like sets the tone and you have different characters and you're breaking into buildings and stealing goodies and trying to get out without alerting the cops. Yep. And I had a, I had a good time. Monaco, man. It's on Steam. I think it's super cheap, too. Yeah. Um. And then uh, my first record this week is going to be a movie I watched on Netflix. It's called The FP. 
This is like a world-building movie like crazy, dude. It's basically... Uh, I'll just paint the picture for you. It's a bunch of people who lit, dress like 1980s uh, rock stars and then uh, fight each other for turf by playing Dance Dance Revolution. <laughs> and uh, if you lose, you die. And they have like their oh. own language. And it's shot like an 80s movie. And uh, I think it was the first movie that was released by Alamo Draft House um, as as a, as an Alamo production. It is a great movie, and the thing that I really love about this movie is all of the movies that it suggested to me because I watched it. So it's like a, it's like a it's a what is what are those called a gateway movie? So uh, the FP, check it out on Netflix. What's your Seco Reco? Uh, it's, mine's actually a movie I watched. Yep. It's called The Illusionist. Oh yeah, I, I watched it. I was uh, oddly uh, enraptured by it and couldn't couldn't look away. Well, that's only because it has Edward Norton in it, and you look exactly it's, like Edward Norton. One, I don't. I wish I looked exactly like Edward Norton. <laughs> and two, that's not the only reason, but it helped. All right, and then my second record is also going to be another movie. This is a movie that I saw because it was recommended to me because I watched the FP. And this is Dread. You've heard about this movie. It's a remake of Judge Dread. Yeah. It is fucking great. It is such a great movie, dude. Like, if you were a child of the 80s or 90s, you watched those 80s and 90s action movies. This is just an 80s or 90s action movie that's been updated and created in, in you know 2012 with like CGI and shit. It is fucking really good, really entertaining. I loved it, dude. Is you it on should, Netflix? It's on Netflix. You got to watch it, man. Yeah, I'll definitely watch it. I really, really liked it, and it, and you know, it, it was kind of a huge flop. It was a fifty million dollar movie that made thirty million dollars at the box office. Eh. Um, but it, I think it was a flop because you, it's hard to market this character, and they spent way too much money on it. But the fact of the matter is, it's kind of like getting some for free because they didn't make any money on this thing because they poured so much money into it and they couldn't really market it. But it is still a really, really fun. You know, just cheesy, good 80s slash 90s action movie core movie that I really, really liked. Right on. Um, so, anyway, Dread. All right, buddy, that's the show. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you so much for joining us this week. And until next week, wherever you go. Whatever you do. Please stay, stay arrogant. Arrogant. <laughs>